Before we begin this week's episode, we just wanted to let you know that we're going to be playing a clip that is quite graphic in this episode. It is an 11-year-old boy reading a book that he found in his school library. We don't believe it is for children to be reading or hearing, so we wanted to let you know that when it gets to that point in the podcast, if you have kids listening, you're going to want to fast forward. And frankly, it's not easy for us adults to listen to either. But we wanted to go ahead and let you know and be warned, but we also know you need to be aware. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And today it's just us three because we have another basically info dump we want to send your way. We want to point you in the direction of some breaking news stories, some things that are going on that we want you to just think about. And also, Kristen and Amy just got back from a conference. Uh, They got to be there with our friend, Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. Cami Benton, um, Pierre Corey was there. I can't, gosh, y'all. I mean, you were you were amongst some of the greatest uh, medical minds that I know. And I was so sad. I mean, I was a little sad. I was in St. Lucia. So I was okay. <laughs> I was celebrating uh, one of our good friends' birthdays in St. Lucia. But Kristen and Amy got to go. And we wanted to start the conversation today by letting you know about something that they attended and why you want to know about it and kind of the impetus behind the mission of this thing so that you can get involved as well. (laughs) Excuse me, girls. Okay, so um, it was the Next Steps Conference, right? So girls, tell them a little bit about what intrigued you and made you want to attend the Next Steps Conference. (laughs) Well, I think what intrigued us, I think I saw it first. I think I saw it on mm-hmm. Kimmy Benton Integrative Medicine's Instagram page. It's Kimmy Benton, our friend and amazing doctor in Charlotte. But um, it was the topics that they were discussing. I was like, okay, wow, this is this stuff is what that we, want. we need. We need to be, in- we're interested in. Because, you know, over the past, what, two, three years, we've heard all about the problems, you mm-hmm. know, we've, and, but this conference was more focused on solutions and actions that we can take to kind of, opt out of mm. what's happening, build that parallel society. You know, we've talked about it so many times about how our medical system is um, failing us. Mm-hmm. It's broken. And instead of trying to rebuild it, which seems impossible at this point, why not build our own mm-hmm. and start our own? So it was things like healing yourself naturally, the new science paradigm, the new medical paradigm, um, homesteading, homeschooling, home self-defense, um, and all these things that so we were really excited just because we wanted to hear like, what do we do? And I right. know that we talk about that all the time on our podcast, like what, like what your are action we, steps? Yeah. Like what do call you to action? Mm-hmm. And, um, this one was it within driving distance. <laughs> so that made it really nice too. It was in Georgia. Um, and I don't know if it's, apparently this is like, this started in like 2017 or 18, this conference. So I think this has been around, I mean, I'm sure it's growing now and attracting more people. Cause there's more people in the movement now, but highly recommend. I felt like it was great speakers, yes. great information. If you can swing it next year, I'm sure there'll be another one. Maybe we can all meet up next year and go to it. Cause it was, it was awesome. We learned so much. We learned, I mean, literally so much. And that's why I did, we've done like two subsects and I'm, st- I still owe y'all the last one, but there was just so much in that last night we were up pretty late and then we drove back and then it's like life. So we're going to get that out to y'all. But one thing I want to mention just while I'm thinking about it, speaking of conferences, There is one, if there are any lawyers that are listening, 
And if you want to get involved, they are having a COVID litigation conference with Steve Kirsch, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Ryan Cole, oh, nice. a bunch of people in Georgia this month. I'm almost positive. So I'll try and find that. But um, pay attention to that. So if you have, if you know any lawyer friends that want to get in, there's going to be, a, there's a lot of stuff going on that they can get involved with. But circling back to this, I, I I cannot recommend something like this enough because number one, you're surrounded by, I love how they said it's not like-minded because everybody has different minds, okay? Like diversity of minds, but with a common thread or a mm -hmm. common goal, right? Yeah. And that's what it is. And I love that we you don't have to like tiptoe around what you're saying. You can have like open debates or open conversations. And I love like really what they said, one of the things they said was being awake is not enough, right? Just like what we've said, Holly said it so many times that it's not enough just to know. And it's not enough to sit here and let other people like us talk about it and say something and be the quote, brave or courageous ones. It's on every single person here. You got to take ownership because you can't sit there and wait for it to be saved. But right. like we heard people who, they, I mean, they openly say they're not paying taxes. There's one guy that was a co corporate executive, like high rolling, highfalutin, and he is a hundred percent off grid. And he did it because he would not comply and make his employees comply to the vaccine mandate. Mm -hmm. How awesome is that? So he lost everything. He went from like cushy lifestyle, traveling, all the things. He had like 900 employees. Yep. And the CEO said, all right, we're going to do this. We need to do this vaccine mandate. And he refused. And so he went from that to now living. Yeah. Like she said, completely off grid, like his own, making his own electricity, his own water, his own food, um, built his own house, nail by nail, board by board. Um, and it's like a 5,000 square foot house. He said, this isn't like a little tiny home. Like yeah. he knows what he is doing. And the, th the great thing is these people want you to know and be empowered too. They've learned from their mistakes. They've learned from their successes and they want you to know, and they want you to go share this with everybody there. And there's like all these wonderful communities out groups, there, Facebook groups, yes. websites, like if you want to learn more about how people homestead and how people go off grid. And, you know, one of the things he was saying is like, when he realized that everything could be taken away from him and how much of a slave he was we were slaves. to the mm -hmm. world, like we feel like we're free, but we're actually really not. So he made a list of every single thing that he depended on someone else for. And he, his list was so long. It's like his electricity, phone, cable, mortgage, everything, everything, everything. And so if he's like, if all that was taken away, what would I do? And that's mm -hmm. how he began to build his life to where he doesn't, you know, have any ties to anything and he's completely free. It's mm -hmm. very inspiring and very cool. And I know that not all of us can just do that, go do that. And he's not saying just abandon your life and do that. But if, if you know, he showed the checklist, he's like, see what things you could maybe work around. That. Like what, mm -hmm. what things could you check off the list that you, that if they went away tomorrow or somebody had that control over you and took it away from you tomorrow, what would you do? Like the food? You yeah, know? it is. It's how independent are you really? And right. how independent are you really? And to really evaluate if things really went sideways, do you have a way of accessing food and water? And, you know, all these things. My dad asked me the other day because we're on wells here where we live. And he's like, do you know how to get water out of your well if the electricity goes out? And I was like, no, that's what you're for. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I mean, but just things like that. He was making me think about it. And listen, guys, we, we're not doomsday we're not doomsday people over here. We're not trying to say, you know, the end is near, but what we are saying is what we have learned the last few years is to the degree that you are dependent on the government or another entity to give you the basic needs for you to live and survive in this world, um, you're vulnerable. And that is where we want to create, uh, you know, again, we think that with less dependency comes more freedom. And we yeah. love freedom. And that's why we want to give you the resources and the ideas of things to think about. Where can you access more freedom in your life? I mean, for many of you, you learned over the last few years with mandates that you were enslaved to your job, you know, and, and many of us have been, right? And you've got, you know, learning things that there are other options. You might live with less, but it's the ability to be free and not enslaved to something is so powerful. And I think it's the way we were created to actually be. So just look into this next steps conference and, and, and we'll certainly, I'm sure talk about it more on the podcast, but guys just look for ways to learn and look for ways to get involved and look for ways to use your voice and your resources to help spread awareness about the truth. 
and to encourage people to just think. I mean, one thing I would challenge you to do this week, think of three people right now that you can go and ask a simple question like, did you know? And we're going to give you some things to talk about right now. As a matter of fact, ask people if they knew, for example, that Moderna just paid the federal government. It's no shock to us, Anthony Fauci's NIH. You know, he just retired at such a convenient time before the NIH was given $400 million from Moderna. Why is Moderna giving the U.S. government back $400 million? Remember, Moderna had never posted a single profitable quarter until it put out these vaccines. Mm. Did you guys know that that just happened? Did you know that Anthony Fauci's net worth, I believe almost doubled? Is that right? Or maybe it went from 7 million to 12 million. I need to go back and look at the numbers. Did you look at it? No, um, I, I would have to find they, that They again. just showed his net worth shot up yet again last year. Where's he getting all this money? Where's he getting all this money? And I guarantee you that's just even a fraction. It's hidden somewhere. Where it's like politicians get it. Right. Just in general, why do politicians get richer and richer and richer to the point of being multimillionaires yes. in government service? Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just follow the money trail. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier, girls, like with conspiracy theories. I am a skeptic about everything, even a conspiracy theory. So when people come up with theories about what they think happened, I'm skeptical about whether I'm being the told the truth by everyone. And I think that's honestly the safest way to live at this point. Question everything, okay? But the thing about conspiracy theories, you know what the tipping point for me usually is? If I can find a money trail, then I know mm -hmm. I'm probably not being told the truth. If there's right. a money trail somewhere, there is probably a story that's being suppressed, hidden. They don't want you to know. Because anytime someone has monetary gain, Mm -hmm. There is an incentive for them to do things a certain way, even it's even it's to your to your detriment. Speaking of the FDA just passed narrowly the RSV vaccine for the elderly, knowing there are severe risks of taking it. They yep. acknowledge there's severe risk, and yet they're like, "Yep, yeah, but we're going to say you should have it." I mean, this it's is the science you, that we're supposed to trust now. Yeah, this is like basically it's the non-science. Well, this shows you how much the FDA cares about old people. Oh my right. gosh, They're they see them as expendable. They're expendable, yeah. right? Right. You know, it's just like some vaccinologists will tell you the childhood vaccines that the autism and all the other things that come as a side effect. And yes, by the way, if if you're new to this podcast, that's that's actually science. All the all the years you've been told there was no traces of autism to vaccines is complete bunk. By the way, mm -hmm. they would tell you that those that it's worth it. Those kids then are expendable. Those families are expendable then to our society. That's what you're saying when you say, you know, there are there is harm that will come, but we're going to recommend it anyway. That's the right. dice we're going to tell you to roll. You should have the freedom to decide whether you roll that dice or not. And the problem is the doctors probably won't tell these older people that there is a dice to roll. They're right. not going to say, just so you know, there is a big risk with this, right? But you can go ahead with it anyway. But we just want to make sure you know that there are major side effects. They're not going to say that. They're going to be like coming in the room. All right, it's time for your RSV vaccine. Right. Yeah. Period. Right. Informed consent does not really right. exist in most most medical offices. It, it it really does not. Not around vaccines because we found that most doctors don't know. It's so crazy to me how many doctors you can have conversations with that do not know about vaccines. And then when we've asked where were you taught about vaccines. They said not in medical school. It was from the pharmaceutical companies that sell the vaccines. Mm. Tell me there's not a conflict of interest there. Come on, people. Okay. I have another did you know. I have yeah. another did you know. Give it to us. Did you know that the CDC, let me just read you this, or this little headline from the Informed Consent Action Network. The CDC admits it has no data to support recommending COVID-19 booster shots for 12 to 49-year-olds. So basically, the ICANN, they've sent a FOIA request to the CDC. This was in April 7th, 2022, and said, please provide the following records to them, um, all data concerning or reflecting the efficacy of COVID-19 booster shots for people 12 to 49 years of age. 
Guess what the CDC's response was on still on April 20, April 27th. A search of our records failed to reveal any documents pertaining to your request. So y'all marinate on that for a minute. Marinate, marinate. A search of our records failed to reveal any documents pertaining to your request. This means they have no studies to prove or disprove the efficacy or the safety, but they were requesting for the efficacy of the COVID-19 booster shots for ages 12 to 49. But okay. they're recommending it. They're, they're recommending, recommending it. it. And they're still telling you it's safe and effective. They're not only recommending it, they're marketing it on TV, on commercials, on the radio. They're yep. just yep. The grocery stores. Yep. Like get your boosters, get your shots, get your boosters, get your shots. Meanwhile, all cause mortality is shooting up. We have what 30% increase in cardiac events in that same age group. Come on, wake up, wake up. And the most recent UK data shows that 92% of the deaths were from unvaccinated people. 92%. I got that study for y'all too. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, if you didn't catch what Kristen said earlier, subscribe to our Substack, y'all. That's where the receipts are. If you want to know what we're talking about, where we found it, this is where it comes out. It's sent direct to your mailbox. We don't spam you every day. We don't write about everything under the sun every day and give it to you. Kristen thoughtfully puts together these from our episodes and certainly from their experience at the Next Steps conference. She was documenting what they were learning there as well. So if you want to know more about that, go subscribe and check that out. But again, FDA, CDC, FDA narr advisors narrowly vote in favor of Pfizer's RSV vaccine for older adults despite safety concerns. This is CNN Health. We asked our, our we polled our, um, our followers on Instagram, do you trust the FDA? 2% said they do. I, please Dude, contact us. Who, who where are, are those bots? Who are you? <laughs> please contact us so we can either get you some mental. Just, just let us know why. Give us the good reason why. Yeah. You yeah. We would love to know. We would love. I wonder if it'll tell me. I, I mean, do. Truly, I would like. I would like to know. I would oh, love. I have to. the list. There's four people who said that they do. Wow. Yeah, well, one of them doesn't have a photo. Podcast, but well, one of them does not have a photo, so I think that means that, she, that they're a bot, right? I mean, it usually, um, who knows? But here's the thing um, most of them have like 45 followers, so I'm gonna guess it's probably not not super real. Maybe a few of you, I don't know. No, yeah, but it's, <laughs> sad. it's sad, it's just really sad. Maybe you didn't mean to hit no, but that's really sad because the vast majority said, Oh, no, we do not trust, and you shouldn't trust. You should not trust the three-letter agencies anymore. If you have, if you aren't sure what we're talking about, go back to listen to all of our episodes. <laughs> we'll yeah, give you start, start with number one. <laughs> yeah, your, uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. Meanwhile, the Mississippi House uh, down in Mississippi, the, the there was a panel uh, within their House of Representatives there that ruled that the um, COVID vaccine should be pulled from the market as they are not neither safe nor effective. Um, they also removed in the state of Tennessee this week, um, the ability for drag queen shows to be held in front of children. So mm -hmm. that's some of the latest stuff happening at a state level. And if these are things First that you're copying COVID too, by the way, if people wanted to refer back to that, there's more sure. states in addition to Tennessee. So get, let's get more states in. We need North yeah. Carolina. If, if this yeah. is something that you are for, um, then it is something that you think about it. Don't be overwhelmed at what you're seeing happening all over the country. Realize that you can affect change at the local level far more easily, honestly. And that's where we need to get to work. Um, and remember states, all powers not delegated to the federal government written in our constitution were delegated to the states. The, the federal government, in my opinion, and probably in a lot of legal scholars' opinions, has completely overreached on so many things, but it is meant that each state should be able to govern itself. So go get involved. Go write some letters. Go make your voice heard. If you don't think that children should be exposed to drag queen shows any more than you think they should be exposed to a, a stripper, then you know let's let's make your voice heard because I think what's certainly. Would you say the same state that also banned surgeries, underage? Didn't they? Yeah. Didn't they do that too? Like I think they, they did. you can't. You cannot uh, change your gender. You cannot, right, yeah, until at 18, uh -huh, until, until you're of the age of And they've allowed ivermectin, I think, even over the counter or something. Tennessee or, 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 yes, yeah. Y'all are doing great. 
Good job, Tennessee. Um, real quick, I know we have a clip we want to play, but I saw this post that really spoke to me about the whole kids and transgenders thing. That was very interesting yesterday. Gays against streamers. They posted a picture. Y'all know Brad and Angelina's Shiloh, Shiloh Jolie Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, so they posted a picture of her then and a picture of her now, and it says, "This is why you don't let your kids transition." Shiloh spent most of her childhood dressing as a boy and insisting that people call her John. Do y'all remember that? Do y'all remember, like she was wearing suits yes. and she said, my name is John. I want to be called John. Yes. Now that she's a bit older, she's blossomed into a feminine teen. Parents should never make permanent and irreversible decisions for their children who are still growing and learning about themselves. Let kids be kids. That's and a prime then, example. Yep. Puberty, puberty often helps kids find their way, right? We do know that. Um, and at least that is what historically was agreed upon, that once a child went into puberty, a lot of these things corrected themselves. And I've personally witnessed that um, in my in my own life. I have someone close to me that I that I love very much. And her son was very confused about his gender and um, thought that he should be a girl. It's been interesting to watch as of the last year as he hit puberty, he is far more um He's appearing far more masculine and and dressing more masculine. And so I've just, I mean, I think that it is something that, it, like you guys said, it's not something you let a child decide. You don't let a child decide a lot of things mm-hmm. and of the age and have the wisdom and insight to do it, to, to make such a permanent decision, to let a child's feelings dictate such a permanent decision in their life is just the height of, I think, abuse and ignorance and frankly, I mean, it is that is probably one of the worst parenting things that you can do outside outside of physically and sexually abusing your own kid. Like it We're is the medical the medical side of it. Like okay. I'm sure Angelina and Brad, if she wanted to dress in those suits, they yeah. let her dress in the suits. If she yep. wanted to be called John, then they were like, whatever. You know what I mean? That that's a whole different story than feeding your child hormone blockers right. and taking them in for a surgery. Right. That um, this is that different. is where you have to draw the line because I know that's people different. say, oh kids need to express themselves and yes and they let her express herself for many many years and let her come to that conclusion without interventions medically that's the difference right exactly and it's just you know again and we, we we understand this is a polarizing topic that people have a lot of different opinions on um and you know chris and amy and i we really are of the mindset that freedom is so important and people need to have freedom um to make choices for themselves but i will tell you that and when it comes to this, and I think when it comes to parenting, we just, we have, we probably have a lot of opinions on the parenting side of children, you know, that it is your responsibility as the adult in their life to help guide them and lead them and protect them and giving them things that change them permanently for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. at a time where they don't even have all the faculties to make that decision for themselves is just wrong. And the fact that we've gotten to a place where somehow people believe that it's right we think is very alarming. Um, we should also mention that kind of segues into this other thing. Guys, do you want to set up this next video here that we want to play? So I was watching um, Laura Ingram last night and she played, she had this sixth grader on and some of y'all may have seen this video as of now, but um, it's a sixth grader knocks. I don't know what his last name. I can't remember his last name. He's so cute. Um, but he saw this book Uh, not just didn't just go search for it it was on display in their public school so I'm gonna let y'all I mean and and he got up and read this and then his dad followed up so that just listened to the whole clip my name is Knox Zajac I'm 11 years old and I go to Windham Middle School I'm a sixth grader I was in the library and this book was on a stand I'd like to read you a page my back over my hips as I asked if we should take off take our clothes off and he's saying yes before I finish my sentence. He's pulling off my T-shirt, laughing when I can't undo his shirt buttons. He's undoing my belt. I'm reaching into his bedside drawer for a condom. We're kissing again. We're rolling over. Obviously, you can see where this is going. I don't know if it's because we're feeling especially emotional or just tired. Or these past couple of weeks have been too much. But this reminds me so much of the first time we had sex. We were both fucking terrified. And the whole thing was kind of terrible because we didn't know what we were doing, but it was good too, so good, because we were a mess of emotions and we were scared and excited and everything felt new. So this sort of thing, this sort of feels like that. Nick touches me like he's scared that any minute. 
Now, this book was at my middle school, and it was on a stand. When I rented it out to show my dad it, uh, the librarian asked if I wanted more and if I wanted a graphic novel version. There's more. Hang on, the dad's coming. Oh, boy. So I'm that kid's oh, father. Okay, good. I was asking for you. Yeah, I'll take another three minutes. So that's my son. Okay. 11 years old and went to his library and found that by the entry door of our library, this is the smut that he is finding, all right? I don't care whether it's gay, straight, bisexual, whatever the terms are for all this stuff, doesn't need to be at our school, doesn't need to be at my 11-year-old's library. And then as far as genderqueer, I've got a son in the high school as well, and this is bullshit. We know it, all right? We do not need to be having literature that's showing boys how to suck dick, all right? This is, I'm very, very frustrated about it, okay? And you may think that schools know the best for our children. You know who know the best for our children? The parent. Yeah. Woo! The parent. Now, if that made you uncomfortable, it should. And this is what's in the school. This is what's in public schools. Elementary school. No, middle school. Middle school. This was middle school. Was that right? Middle, middle school. Middle school. Okay. Well, obviously, we'll probably go back and put a little preemptive note to let people know your kids did not need to hear what he just read. So uh, we'll make sure that we do that in the podcast uh, because I forgot what all was in this that perhaps you don't want your kids to hear. And it's understandable, right? But I think as adults, we should hear this. We should hear, we should know, we should be informed that this literature is being put into formidable minds or um, not formidable, what's the word I'm trying to say? Impressionable minds where it's not time for them to have this graphic stuff inside their heads. I mean, especially, listen, from a biblical perspective, whether you're Jewish or Christian, there's a proverb that says, you're not supposed to awaken this in a child until it's time. That, that There is damage that comes from an awakening a child to sex of any kind before it's time for them to understand it and appreciate it for what it was created for. This is so beyond disturbing. And the fact that we, I mean, if you feel like you can't speak out and say that is wrong, it shows you how much we've been indoctrinated to accept. And that's alarming. And gaslighting. Yeah. Right. Right. So alarming. Well, um, so there, there's a little bit you need to know. Hey, go in your kids' libraries. Go see what's in there. Go mm -hmm. see, get involved. Go see what's in these libraries. Uh, Wuhan Lab. Amy did a rip <laughs> What'd you say, Kristen? In another episode of We Told You So, or We Already Knew. No, I mean, I'm not sure. Conspiracy theories, you know, we're batting a million at this point. <laughs> I mean, a million. It's been wrong yet. Knock on wood. Like it's, okay, so basically the U.S. government admits that it is, you know, in all likelihood from a lab. Then I heard that Fauci was like, yeah, we should still leave room for doubt. This dude testified under oath, by the way, under oath before the U.S. Senate that they weren't doing gain-of-function research there. And then later, the NIH, I believe, or the NAID, whatever it was, was like, mm, yeah, it was gain-of-function. Like, they even admitted it wasn't true. This guy is such a liar. Do you guys think do you not think that he's lying about other stuff too yeah when is he telling the truth yeah i mean do you really trust somebody who will lie under oath more than once I well mean, we've interviewed people who have known him for years no one speaks well of him like literally they're like oh he has long been if you look at what happened with the aids research and the testing of hiv and aids drugs on the orphans in new york city that was under yeah when you were talking about expendable lives i yeah. mean yeah. Go look that up, y'all. No, not good. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, but we just wanted to say, cha-ching, once again, you know, Wuhan lab, the U.S. government finally admitting it. Now, what's going to happen? Where, where, when are we going to have some accountability? When are we going to bring people to trial for the lies, the deception, for the whatever, it, whatever was involved in making this virus spread? First of all, why? 
it's someone said recently, it was the biggest mistake of any bureaucrat probably in US history to yeah. have be ha, have a gain of function research lab on soil of a communist country that will absolutely control all information in and out of that country. Like how stupid are you? With, with a country, by the way, that doesn't like us. Right. Well, when I say country, I mean their their communist party leadership does not like us. Right. Right. They're sending spy balloons over our country in very strategic places like our military bases, it seems. Like, mm. what are, what were you thinking? And we kicked it out of the, you know, Kristen's alma mater, <laughs> UNC Chapel Hill. <laughs> we oh, kicked them out of doing it there. We said, you can't do it on U.S. soil. Oh, let's send it to our enemy's territory. Yeah, that's smart. Oh, my God. Idiot. What do oh. y'all think is going on with uh, Fetterman, the, the uh, congressman? Y'all, if y'all haven't heard that, it's really sad. It's like, so sad. It, I, I feel mean, horrible for him. Yeah. I mean, you could tell he was not up to running this campaign. I mean, you could see it. It was so obvious, you know? It was obvious that he was put in that position by someone else, forced to uphold, you know, and he did his best. He had just had how many strokes? At right. least one, two, who knows? And so the minute he gets elected, like not shortly after that, now he's checked into a hospital for, you know, severe depression. Well, he was in the hospital for something already, then came okay. out. And then, and I, I keep going back to that, um, that scene when they were taking a picture with Kamala and it was just so strange. Remember with his family and like, he didn't say a word. It's just, you can just tell was there was very, something like, off and, and you just, I don't know. And, and now, okay. So here's the deal y'all. Now he's in the hospital with clinical depression, which is, I mean, it's horrible. That is so sad. And his wife decides to take her kids and leave and go to another country. I, I don't, I don't know where exactly they went, but she was apparently posting tweets, like saying that I, I just not trying to speculate. You never know. Every couple is different. Every relationship and family is different, but I just find that odd that you just leave your husband that's in a hospital for clinical depression, which is also a very interesting place to be for clinical depression too. So, you know, there's it a lot of, like there's a lot that. of interesting, yeah. interesting kind of events. Yeah. 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 I'm, it, sure, I'm sure maybe they'll come out. I don't yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope, we hope, but, um, but it's just, it also goes to show that if we think that the politicians that you elect are actually running everything, it does not seem to be the case. I mean, look at Joe Biden. The, the number of gaffes almost daily at this point, tripping, falling, saying the dumbest things, which let's be real, he did that forever. Like that, that is not new. That's not dementia. Um, he, I believe, has dementia, but saying stupid things is not new for him. Remember, I think I mean, Robin Williams has this hilarious bit back when he was still alive talking about Joe Biden just being a complete moron. You know, Even Obama has said he has a... a the ability to f things yeah, up, right? He's like, never like, underestimate Joe's ability to f things up. one where he's like, "I'm, I may, I may, and I may be white, but I'm not dumb. I may be a white boy, but I'm not." He said, stupid "I may be something. a white boy, yes. but I'm not stupid." He's like, "I know who holds the power." Talking to like a group of was it like a group of black leaders? I know who holds the power. I'm not stupid. Like I, mean, I may be a white guys, boy. First of all, I'm that's not, that's pandering. Number I'm one, I can't stand that. Not see that. And number, number two, I am tired. I didn't choose my skin color. I should not be discriminated against because of my skin color. It should not be socially acceptable for you to bash me for my skin color. Imagine if you would have said that about any other skin color. No, you can't. Or imagine another president saying that. Look, so he did, this was at a White House speech and it was posted two days ago on Upward News. So, I mean, I'm sure it's other places. That's just where I saved it. And his quote was, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. I mean, it's just very, very odd, odd, odd choice of words. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. so many odd choices of words. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is so beyond, it's, it, I am really, honestly, I saw like a montage that someone put out, probably white people, by the way, because I think white people perpetuate this as much as anyone. And when I say white people, I don't mean all white people. I mean, this woke ideological mindset in white people who have some kind of like ancestral guilt. First of mm -hmm. all, until you've done your ancestral history, you don't know that you your ancestors owned slaves, to be honest with you, any more than Black people know that they were enslaved, you know, because what did we just see happen recently 
Um, it was in, um, it was one of the BLM activist people. I was trying to find it. Find it. She, I got it. it. Former, former Black Panther, Black Panther, Angela Davis, shocked to find she is a descendant of a Mayflower set, settler. It says critical race theorist and former member of the Black Panthers, Angela Davis, was in disbelief when she found out that she had an ancestor who came to America on the Mayflower. Let's see. She said, no, I can't believe this. Davis said, shocked by the revelation. My ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. She added, that's a little bit too much to deal with right now. When she found out that she was descended from William Brewster, one of the 101 people who came to the colonies on the Mayflower in 1620. Would you ever in your wildest dreams think that you have been descended from people who laid the foundation of this country? Gates asked Davis, to which she responded, never, 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 never. Gates also revealed that Davis is a descendant of Stephen Darden, a drummer in the 4th Virginia Regiment in the 1770s during the Revolutionary War. Darden reportedly moved to Georgia and became a slave owner. So here's the thing. Oh, <laughs> so once again, you cannot be faulted from uh, your ancestors and you can't just be judged based on what your ancestors do. Make it right. Do the right thing. Improve. Just be kind, be just kind be to everyone. Here's the thing. How was this news to her? Because have you seen her complexion? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say, just think, girl. Just think. Before you out, you know... <laughs> Shouting from the rooftops, let's just be real quick to check. Maybe that somewhere something something happened. Because I like I don't I, it was shocking to me that she had not thought there were right. white people in her ancestry. Maybe she just didn't want to know. She didn't you know she you can't find that. that for which you were not looking. Yes. That's true, That's true Kristen. It's like a, it's it was we continue to see this happening. The number of people too who are getting sick with uh, accelerated cancers, heart disease, um, you know, strokes, blood clots, cardiac events. It's still shocking to me that when you say, did you get the vaccine? They're like, mm, yeah, why? Like that they have no, like it hasn't connected. Oh, I guess we just, I guess. Doctors don't even say, no, nobody, nobody's connected. Nobody. Well, not, nobody. not nobody. It we is are. Like it's the big fat elephant in the room that like wait a minute it's the people who don't know how to problem solve that are connecting the dots but the people who do know how to problem solve they're not connecting the dots do you have that study holly yeah. um <laughs> just... is that in our text thread? it might be Kristen is so good at pulling up everything i don't so, know because i posted it because i was i said i'm here for the comments and y'all need to go to twitter for the original post but I also posted it like on, on my Instagram. And here is the study. A new study suggests that individuals who struggle with problem solving and demonstrate absolutist thinking, political conservatism and xenophobia are more likely to refuse to get vaccinated. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. And who pays for these studies? Us or the taxpayers? So they're paying for that, but they're not paying to check on the vaccine injured or to pay to connect the dots to no. find out why all these people are dying suddenly and why all the experts are baffled. But you're going to go and say the people who aren't problem solvers, which it is the complete and utter opposite. This should be like a Babylon B post. I mean, it's yeah, it's almost okay. like so ridiculous. It's <laughs> it, satire. it really should. Oh. Um, also, I'm going to mention this because um because I'm an NC State graduate alumni. I have loved that school my entire life. Um, I think I've shared on the podcast before, I did say I'm not giving any more money to them as long as they had DEI officers inside the school for which we're creating more division than unity amongst the student body. And I knew this because I had a child that was also a student there. And we live, you know, seven miles from the university. Like I... I have a pretty good, I got a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's happening over there most of the time because of my network, right? Haven't had a kid there. And so I was upset because CRT was invading. And I actually had a senior, a senior person at the school reach out to me and tell me privately that he agreed with me, that he thought it was a divisive ideology. He was a liberal, but he absolutely agreed it was a divisive ideology. And he thought we were, you know, fighting for it was fighting against it was the right thing to do. But let me just tell you, so the University of North Carolina, you know, 
the down the street rival in Chapel Hill where, where Kristen went, which is why I was teasing her earlier. It's been considered a highly woke university for a while. Like it is a far more liberal school in general. You're going to find NC State's a little more conservative. But this week, the University of North Carolina said, we're going to push back on this woke ideology. Kristen, you want to share more about what they said or what, what came out about that? Um, okay, while Kristen's pulling it up, I'm just going to say, I'm going to give kudos to the University of North Carolina for this. Like I, as a person who has long not liked the school, will tell you, way to go, high five, I'm behind you on this. Like this is important um, because, and I only don't like it because, you know, I'm conservative and, and went to NC State. But go ahead. You have it, Kristen? Yeah, it said, um, the headline says, University of North Carolina bans, moves to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion statements in anti-woke backlash. UNC voted to ban DEI statements and compelled speech from admission, hiring, promotion, and tenure. There's a video from, um, let's see, David Boliak, the Board of Trustees Chair, but they just said that they were going to they were going to vote against it for like politically preferential hiring. Which, as we've seen, a lot of these politically preferential hiring, how well that those have worked out for us lately. Right. Uh, and also yesterday, um, <laughs> this, this came out, um, New College <laughs> New College of Florida has become the first university in the nation to abolish the DEI bureaucracy, Ooh. ban coercive diversity statements in programming, and prohibit identity-based preferences in hiring, admissions, and other procedures. So they full-on um, abolished it. Mm -hmm. at this college and I think they're the very first ones I guess UNC this yeah. they're like moving to do it well and yeah. UNC is involved in a law school I think along with I think it was Yale University right for um discriminating against minorities Asians not considering them minorities right in their diversity uh enrollment and I mean that is not fair just because Asians score uh typically and of course this is all generalities they typically score higher than than white people you know, and so trying to like level this playing field, they've discriminated against a minority population. And that, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Merit, we got to bring back meritocracy in this right. country. And and it doesn't mean every, you, yes, you want to try to give the opportunities to as many people as possible, but you have to earn what you get. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. life. Everybody and, gets the opportunity, but the outcome is to be determined. I keep absolutely. thinking of the Hodge twins. Y'all remember the Hodge twins in football? Wait, the Hodge twins uh, what? Do you have it? Is it bad? We probably can't play it. It's probably like one of those things. It's, where... it's funny. Yeah. But anyway, okay. it's basically like it was like an equity thing where they let the female be the kicker on the male football team. Oh, yeah. I'm, all about, I'm all about female empowerment and stuff, but it, but you also have to earn your spot there. That's yeah, they why. Her the spot because she was a female. Yeah. And I can't remember. It was a story a while ago, but it, it was just literally, the way they put it, it though. Her, her sex is the reason why she got the spot over everyone. Oh, well, Lori Lightfoot just got booted, booted as the mayor. Oh, yes. And there were a lot of people who said she had that. It was a, it was not a meritocracy thing. It was a, it was, she was a black woman, black lesbian. And so she checked off the boxes of uh, a minority candidate and, and she was a disaster. And yes. Chicago was the yeah. most high crime, murderous yeah. city. Did not. Did nothing. She, she good. And she was hateful. She was absolutely hateful. And it was clear that she did not like white people. Like right. that was the other thing. I was like, uh, I mean, I guess racism's okay if you're black. Um, yeah. Anyway, WTVD in Raleigh, our local station here, ran a story Friday headlined NCSU student found dead at private residence identified investigation continues. Now, my son is very connected to NC State, having a lot of friends that are still there. Um, you know, we know a lot of kids that are still students at the school. They This one tweet from ABC 11 says, just got confirmation that this is the ninth student to die this semester. But I think, and I was telling Kristen Amy this, I think that's since the fall, because now we're in second semester. I don't think it's since January, but now I could be wrong. Maybe it was since January. What I do know, there have been a lot of deaths at the school and only five were ruled suicides. I did hear a rumor that one might have been fentanyl. But you tell me what the rest are. Why are kids dropping dead, y'all? And why, why are there five suicides? That's a lot. Yeah, there's an average that I think there's an average of three a, a year in a, in a population of 35,000. 
So I think they said somewhere I read that it was like an average of three a year, which is still terrible. It's still terrible. But guess, oh, but here's why I want to share this with you. Okay, awful. And our, and our truly, and I mean this sincerely, my thoughts and prayers have been with this family and these families. Um, but fortunately, NC State is on it, writes Jeff Childers from Coffee and COVID. According to local CBS 17, university officials have announced a new DEI plan to help cheer up the kids. DEI, oh. Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Plan. And this is their quote, integrating campus level diversity, equity, inclusion, and mental health planning to ensure fostering a sense of belonging for all students. First of all, not all nine died of, died of suicide, but it's not the feeling of belonging. Can I just, can we talk to the parents for a second? <laughs> Parenting is so hard. All three of us do it and we're not perfect at it. Okay, we wrestle with it regularly. But if you come at it from the standpoint of teaching your children to be whole and wholly loved by the one who created them, that's where I'm gonna say you need to find your identity first, the one who created them, which is God, and knowing that you love, support, and encourage them in their life's journey as well, we have... I, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up, and this has nothing to do with these suicides. I don't know any of these stories. I don't know why they did it. I have, my kids have each lost a friend to suicide. So I'm, uh, my one of my best friends lost her stepson to suicide. Like it has been in my life quite a bit. And, it, and I've seen the wreckage and the destruction of it. And it's horrible. And my heart aches for the children who thought that was their only way out. And for the families and friends and loved ones that will live with it for the rest of their lives. We just... Uh, honored the anniversary, the one year anniversary of my son's um, friend taking his life last year, left a twin brother behind, by the way, guys, it's devastating. And these were good families that I knew that loved these kids. I think what each of these families would tell you, because certainly in one example that I know of, they were involved in their kids' lives and they were doing all they knew to do. In but if we want to go back to this conversation where NC State says that kids don't feel included, life is hard. Life is hard. Your kids are going to be rejected by someone just like you were. And I was. And Kristen and Amy were. You're going to have disappointments. You're not going to make every team. You're not going to have everything go your way 100% of the time. I feel like one of the things that we are looking at today and just talking with so many parents about their kids battling anxiety and battling depression. First of all, sorry for the dog, Dansby. Sorry, I can't mute her. Um, the, the thing that I wanna add here is parents, let's be really mindful of several things. One is, and Chris and Amy, I know you'll agree with me on this. Let's make sure we're cleaning up their, their diets and they're getting plenty of outdoor vitamin D, outdoor vitamin D time, get them off devices. Devices are so bad for anxiety and depression, okay? Outdoors, better, you know, good, good diets and good activity outdoors as much as possible. But I also want to add that this idea that we're raising kids to not be able to handle life. Right. I mean, we are meeting people regularly or like, I think I need to put my kids on anxiety. And when you ask them why they're saying, because my, and this is just our experience. Everybody's got their own stories. We're not, we're not painting with a broad stroke, but we're talking about general things. These kids are things like they didn't make the team and they're depressed about it. They're getting anxious about schoolwork. I mean, sometimes guys, we have to tell our kids that their grades are not the most important thing. Oh, if you yeah. have a child that's obsessing, you have to say, honey, you know what? It's not the be all end all. You can still have a successful life and make bees. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to talk to the parents for a minute and can I just encourage you, we're all trying really hard and I don't say this with an ounce of judgment or condemnation in my heart, but with an admonition to myself and all of us that we need to make sure we are prioritizing how well we do this job. And part of it is in teaching them to deal with disappointment, failure, all the things. Coping so, mechanisms. You need to yes. learn how to, you you need need to, learn to, how to do how to hard things and deal with hard things. I mean, okay. a lot of times I'm I'm glad that they're going through hard things, especially now when we're here to help them navigate. So if you have like kind of, sh you know, it, once again, this is not judgy or assuming or anything, but if you do shelter them their whole life and you always say everybody, everything's wonderful, make everything wonderful and all this stuff, you, that's not life. 
Life is hard, but you also need to be empowered to do hard things. And I think it is really important too to remind them. I mean, if it is school, if it is friend, whatever. Uh, one thing we learned even at the conference is like, just I wish we could take away grade even grades, grade, grade level. levels. What grade like, are you in? Your yeah. idea of success and failure, like you need to fail. Like failing is what makes you a better person. You learn through what you go through. Yeah. You know, you go through what you go through. And this is just, I've t- some of the most successful people never even went to college. Some of the most successful people didn't even, d- didn't do well in school at all. You just find your thing. And that's what's most most important is help your kids, empower them to find the thing that makes them just, that that fuels their fire, that gives them passion, that makes them excited. And that's hard. I mean, my kids haven't found that yet. But So I, I am not the one to give advice. I'm just trying to just put that out there. Just stop stressing so much. And hell, I, I don't even know what I want with my kids in college. The way college is these days, I'm like, can you just find something, be an entrepreneur, find something that we all need and go have a business with that. Like screw the college that well, is teaching my kids what I don't even want them to teach them. I think what we can all agree <laughs> on is that the schools aren't going to be able to fix it. Right. With that's their it. Little that's it. Office and their little inclusive posters around the school. That's not what's going to fix it any of this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come from the school. We appreciate you trying to say, oh, you're loved and you're this and oh, you know, Mm -hmm. don't ever be sad and just feel included, feel included. But like, but are the kids better, right? Nobody's getting better. It's getting worse. Amy, thank you. Amy, you said that so much better than I did because I really fumbled over the words because I'm being very conscious of the fact that I know that some of our listeners have experienced this I mean, I haven't experienced it directly, but I've experienced it through other families and I know how heart-wrenching this is. And I don't judge. And these these were kids, these were great kids from amazing families, y'all. That's why it's really, you know, suicide can be baffling too. But I am saying, I think all those parents would also say exactly what I'm saying because they raised, we, we have to teach our kids as best we can to deal with hard things. And we can't make the choices for them. And sometimes they choose things we wish they had never chosen. But Amy, it's exactly what you said. All the cuddle corners that we came out when, with when Trump was elected. Cuddle corners. Cuddle like corners in these universities to they, teach they, these grown-ass adults that they couldn't handle the disappointment of their candidate losing for president. Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> I mean, soft times make soft men, right? I mean, like this is, come on. My, my father's generation was fighting a war in Vietnam. When this generation was hiding in a corner because they didn't like who was elected president. I have (laughs) zero respect for that shit. And I will say it. It's the hill I'll die on. Please bring some toxic masculinity back because I am so done with the week. It's so embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Sorry, I can't. And if you, and listen, I'm not intimidated by men, so I don't call it toxic masculinity. If a man's bringing too much masculinity to me, I have no problem telling him to sit his ass down because it does not bother me. It, is about, it does not infringe on my femininity. It does not. Sorry for the thing. I just literally, like, it's the stuff that I cannot, cannot stand. We are making our kids incapable of handling life. And we are making a generation of kids that are not going to be able to lead us into the country that we have tried to build. It's sad. And while we're on this, uh, the with the kids, I think it's also important to have tough conversations with them, like to talk to them about suicide, to talk to them about looking for signs, even with their friends, to talk to them about no matter what, how hard something will be, please come to me or your dad or whoever, or some adult that you feel comfortable with. If you don't feel comfortable with me, come to somebody, because even the other day, I want to bring this up because social media is so horrific for our kids as well. And that whole situation, I don't think we've talked about it, that kid that committed suicide because he was essentially like blackmailed from sending, he was, what was it? Some scam where he thought it was a girl. He said he was bribed into like sending pictures of himself that were embarrassing, uh, apparently embarrassing, humiliating, I guess, if they're going to say, hey, we're going to post this everywhere. And I think he was so embarrassed or worried it got so bad where he said I'm going to kill myself and then I think the person said do it and 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 he did and and I think that Holly other people have been in this situation I actually told my kids about this and they are 13 11 and 7 
seven or ten and <laughs> right. seven. And well, I might not have told Knox, he was seven, but he, but I told Sawyer and Riley. And I just said, look, this is something that this is why I don't like social media. But yeah. I said, I want you to know that no matter what, even if it's something really embarrassing that you can't even fathom coming to us with, I want you to still come to us. You know, so I think that it's important to have those conversations with them because that's right. And we're going to love you and we're going to support you. And we're not going to judge you because we know what it's like to be your age and to have temptations. And, and, but, but let's just bring this up now that Kristen mentioned it, you know, there is a pretty huge operation going on that is targeting teenage boys that I know of, and, I, and it probably girls too, but I know that what's happening is someone's posing as a, and I know of two families directly impacted by this, y'all. So this is, I mean, it's alarming. And that's not including this kid who took his own life as a result, but they are getting them on Instagram where their name is on it and there's a picture, right? So they've sent a picture of themselves um, unclothed in some way and they will send it thinking it's a girl that they're talking to. And then what happens is, is the girl and, and this, you know, their masterminds are getting these kids to do this, these good boys, these good, I mean, the, the kids I know of, they're good kids. Mm -hmm. They got sucked into the temptation and they, they end up giving into it. And then what happens is they then try to extort money from the kids saying, we're going to tell your parents, we're going to tell your coaches, we're going to tell your teachers or whoever, we're going to tell your classmates, we're going to shame you for what you've done and they use shame against them and the FBI is involved. And so if you know of anything like this, you certainly need to contact authorities. Um, and, and, and I know of one situation where there was justice, the guy was, um, tried Good. in court of law and he is now in prison. Good. It is, it is a thing. So we just need parents to be aware, get your, get your kids as much as possible off social media, but certainly as Kristen said, you got to talk to them every single day. And I, I, one person's coming to mind, one of the, the stepmom of one of the sons who took his life at 18, I think it was 18 or 19, but he, you know, they said, we tried to get him to talk, but we wish we had done that more. Like what's really wrong? What's going on? Because this kid was only with them half the time. They, mm -hmm. they had suspect some suspicions that things, something was off, but they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they didn't have the, the time to get him to really talk about it. And I think that's one of the things they wish they'd done. Just tell your kids, you can tell me anything, whatever's going through your head, talk to me about it. I'm here for you, you know, and making your kids feel safe. And moms, it's really hard for us sometimes, right? Because your kids tell you something bad they did and you're trying to keep the poker face. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know, and you don't want to be like, you know, horrified look on your face. Like try to keep it together, pray through it, <laughs> but just make sure they know they're loved and supported and that people make mistakes. And there's no mistake that you've made is you can't be forgiven for and you can learn from and move on from. So- but anyway, well, we gave you a lot to think about, talk about uh, this week, and we hope that you will. The most important thing you can do, share the podcast, give us a five-star review if you don't mind, because that combats the one-star haters, liberals that can't stand us, <laughs> um, misinformation spreaders. If you'll just do that, follow us, subscribe, and, and you know, follow us on the, get our sub stack and um, enroll in that. It's free. You can make a, a contribution. Um, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> We're working for free at this point. And I know Kristen and Amy were saying that at the conference, we were like, you guys haven't monetized this yet. You guys, the amount of time it takes just to put it together, like trying to hustle down monetization while running our businesses and our children's lives and families, like it's, there's, we could use the help. So mm -hmm. if you're a person who is great at tech and you want to donate some time, we'll take it. If you're a person who is great at networking and helping us find people who might want to make donations for us to talk about products we're using by the way we're not going to talk about things we don't use we're going to keep our integrity and only talk about things we have had people reach out to us but it's only if we believe in the product but if you know how to do any of this and you're willing to help us out we'll take it because we're all volunteering at this point so we can't pay you for it but if you can help us we will absolutely take yes. it that one day maybe we can maybe one day. <laughs> And as soon yes. as we can pay you, we're happy to do it. We just, yes. That's where we're at right now. All right, guys. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, y'all.